You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Tequila, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Your pet is an important part of your life, and Dr. T knows how to take care of your best friend. 107.7 The Bronx presents Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Tequila of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Every Saturday morning, Dr. T offers intelligent and informative pet health care talk with just the right dose of bedside manner, exclusively for our furry friends. If you own a dog or cat and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the pet wellness professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small hospital, big medicine. For more information online, it's BarkMeowVets.com. That's BarkMeowVets.com. The doctor can see you now. Here's Dr. Michael Tequila and this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and we're coming live from Killarney's Public House Studios right here at Rider University on 107.7, the FM dial. If you want to view us online, it's 1077thebronc.com. And don't forget, if you're just tuning in and you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can listen to this whole show, not a problem. Everything is audio archived on our website. In addition, we are podcasting on iTunes. All you have to do is search under Your Pet Matters. Also, don't forget to like our Facebook page. It's Your Pet Matters on 1077 The Bronc. I don't know what it is lately, but we've been getting a lot of ill pets in. Um, I, I really don't know what to tell you the cause, but I wanted to talk about one of the diagnostic tools we use, and it's a very important tool. It's something that I think we need to clarify the type of approach with this, uh, what's involved with this, and costs, etc. So what I'm talking about is blood work. Now, when we go to our regular doctors, we always get a blood panel done. And if you're like my age, you're going to get blood work done more often. If you are on any sort of medication, your doctor is going to want blood work every three months or so just to make sure everything is good and there's no side effects, et cetera. So basically, there's no difference from the pets that you, you we deal with as far as our recommendations for blood work. But going back to my original comment, we've been seeing a lot of sick pets lately, and one of the first things we want to do is we want to do blood work. So the question is, why do we want to do blood work? Well, when you do a physical exam, I'll be able to look into the eyes to see if something's going on. I'll be able to look into the ears to see if something's going on look at the mouth, look for any dental disease, feel the lymph nodes to see if they're enlarged, listen to the heart to see if there's anything going on there as well. Um, and we can palpate certain things. We can palpate the joints. We can palpate for lumps and bumps. We can palpate the abdomen to see if there's any uh, masses or any unusual things going on in the abdomen, see if there's any pain, etc. And we can move the limbs around. We can take a temperature. But we're very limited on what we can do to see inside. And so, Two of the modalities that I always like talking about, one is radiographs, or otherwise known as x-rays. They enable me to look into the body to see if there's anything going on. Um, and further on from there, we can do ultrasounds, et cetera. But a great, great tool that looks into the body is blood work. Blood work enables us to actually look at individual organ function. So based on the values that we see on blood work, we can determine whether they're within normal range 
whether the below normal range or above normal range. So blood work is very, very important. It's the window to the soul, so to speak, the ill pet cell or the healthy pet soul. Um, so what's involved in blood work? Well, probably the most common blood work that you hear about from a pet standpoint is a heartworm test. Um, we pull a little blood sample. We put it on this we call it ELISA, or enzyme-linked immunoassay, uh, little snap test, or we send it to the lab. And what they're looking for is evidence of heartworm disease. In addition, and very important in the Northeast where we are, is evidence of any tick-borne illness. So that's a little blood sample. So that's probably the most common thing you hear. It's something that the Heartworm Society recommends testing every year. Many vets recommend testing every year. Um, I honestly believe in the power of heartworm preventative. So very, very rarely, and I know I touched on this on another show, do we actually see any heartworm positive pets? It's usually the, the pets from down south that are rescues that have been exposed to those mosquitoes that transmit the disease. Um, but it's mostly the tick-borne illnesses that I'm looking for, Lyme or anaplasma. Mostly Lyme, but now there's new tick-borne illnesses out there. So that's what the, the blood test for heartworm is. But there's two other general classes of tests that we look at. One is called a CBC, or a complete blood cell count. And what that shows us are how your red and white cells are doing. Generally, it enables us to see, are you anemic? Which, in essence, is a decreased than, a decrease lower than normal red blood cell count. Are your platelets normal? Now, platelets are the cells involved in red blood cell clumping, i.e. stopping bleeding. It allows your blood to clump. And um, today or this week, ironically, there was a um, pet that came in that had lower than normal platelet counts. And as a result, you get little bleeding going on. And, and the way you see that clinically is uh, you see little... Uh, Bleeding on the skin, they could be nosebleeds, bleedings on the gums. You could have bleeding from many different places for that. So that's, that's one of the things that the CBC looks at. The other thing it looks at is the white blood cell count. Are they lower than normal? Are they higher than normal? Um, common examples are higher than normal for inflammation or infection. Um, you can have a, a mild urinary tract infection or a common cold, and sometimes your white blood cells are elevated. Are they too low? There's, there's other disease processes that affect the, the number of white blood cells. So that's your complete blood cell count, and it, otherwise, otherwise known as the CBC, and it really determines where our blood levels are. The other part of the test is called a chemistry panel. Um, it can be named many different things. Um, I believe in the human world, it's called SMAC. It could be a, a mini screen, it could be a chem panel, it could be a chem 27, chem 21, chem 19, whatever your veterinarian is going to call it. Uh, we call it a CPC chem panel. And in that, we're going to look at various things. Uh, most commonly, we look at actually enzyme levels for liver, kidney, pancreas. Uh, we look at levels of protein. We look at ions like calcium, phosphorus, potassium, and sodium, magnesium. We look at, what else are we looking at? Liver, kidney, pancreas. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's basically it. So, so by, by variations in these values. So for example, in kidney disease, the blood urea nitrogen and the creatinine can be elevated. 
and that's a that's a quick marker for us to see on elevation of those. Is there some kidney issue? And that actually ties into the original test I talked about, the heartworm test. Sometimes Lyme disease can lead to some kidney issues, so there could be manifestations or links therein. Um, liver disease. It's not uncommon that we see a lot of bold dogs with an elevated alkaline phosphatase. We also see that in Cushing's disease, and I'm sure um, people have heard about that disease process as well. In addition, the other liver values can go up, bilirubin can be affected, et cetera. And how these can intertwine with your CBC or your complete blood cell count is, if you've got a liver dysfunction, sometimes you're, you're, you could be anemic. And you could be anemic because you're either losing blood, i.e. you're bleeding, you're not producing red blood cells, so your organs that produce your blood blood cells, your bone marrow, aren't, aren't working properly, or they're being destroyed faster than they're being produced. And in those types of cases, um, it could be what we call autoimmune diseases, where your own body is attacking the red blood cells. It could be the liver disease, where, where your body's attacking the red blood cells as well. Pancreatitis. Um, everyone's heard of pancreatitis. There's a lot of pain and vomiting and a whole bunch of nice stuff going along with pancreatitis. Um, it is when the pancreatic values can be elevated. It can be pretty darn painful. So that's what the chemistry tells us. It tells us, um, you know, what's going on there and, and how our organs are functioning, how our electrolytes are functioning. If we have changes in potassium and sodium, a lot of times Cushing's disease, you'll have that. Vomiting, you can have changes in those values. Um, in some cases, elevated calcium can be an indication of disease processes going on. So a lot of changes can be seen on the blood work that on a physical exam, they may be actually normal. Vice versa, you could have severe disease processes where the blood work comes up normal. And there's some cases of cancer where the blood work can actually appear somewhat normal. But we suspect through our other parameters, um, you know, physical exam, x-rays, abdominal ultrasound, that we find other things going on. So that's your CB Street Chem panel. And in those instances, I think they're valuable. I think they're important. Um, and what I'll do next is I'll talk about how we use them for drug monitoring. And I'll also talk about another element of the diagnostic procedure that I like. Um, it's, it's called urine. So stay tuned. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077 of if you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I've been talking about the importance of blood work. So we talked about the complete blood cell count, otherwise known as the CBC, and we talked about the chemistry panel. And most importantly, we talked about why we do it. Um, for diagnostic sampling, it's very important. You get a sick pet in. Um, you want to know if, say, they have a fever. So if you do a CBC, the white cell counts could be up. So we know we definitely have some sort of infection going on. Um, and we also talk about, and we also talked about the chemistry panel and how that can relate to how our organs are working. Um, one thing I didn't talk about there, and I was trying to remember, and I said I think that's it, is all, it also does what we call a thyroid value. And uh, this ties into uh, drug monitoring, but also diagnostics. So uh, I'm sure many cat owners there are familiar with hyperthyroidism. That's when their thyroid gland tends to go hyperactive or, or way out of realms of normal, and it leads to increased metabolism. Uh, typically, it's a, a senior cat 
that is eating well but losing weight, uh, vomiting and firm stools, those are typical signs. Uh, when you do a physical exam, you can actually palpate a thyroid nodule in many of the cats, but it's really the blood work that we, that we do that determines if the thyroid is hyperactive. And based on that, if we decide to treat, there's many ways of treatment. Um, the radioactive iodine therapy is common for cats, um, but there's a medication called methimazole, uh, tapazole. We use that in cats. And based on the blood work, we can determine what dosing we do. And then as a means of monitoring how our drug dosing is doing and how we are doing in general, um, we do follow-up blood work. But I'll get, back, I'll get back to that. I'll talk about drug monitoring and why we want to continue doing blood work on your pet. I think an important point to point out is that pets age much more rapidly than us. I'm always telling clients in the exam room that six months to a human is a minimum of two to four years to a pet. So the simple fact that I want to see your pet every six months, and everyone says that's a little aggressive, but the main reason why I want to see your pet every six months is that it's equivalent to your pet going to the doctor every two years, a minimum of every two years, maybe later. So if you look at things in that aspect, is that so much to ask for? Would you want to go to your doctor every two years? Or would you rather go to your doctor at least once a year? Or, you know, I'm seeing my doctor more than once a year. Trust me. Um, so I think it's very important that we look at that as a concept. Your veterinarian is not trying to go, hey, I always want you to come in, come in, come in, come in. It's because they age much more rapidly than us. Our, our means, our, our purpose in life is to maintain the health and well-being of your pet. And there's no better way to do that than actually see your pet every six months. Whether you want to do the blood work, whether you want to do whatever diagnostics, the recommendation is going to be there. But actually seeing your pet is great. And one of the, one of the best examples I like to talk about is the fact that if I pick up a cardiac murmur or heart murmur on your pet, I want to listen to your pet every four human months. So that's roughly every year, year and a half. I think that's more than valid just to make sure if that murmur changes, we are going to, to change things. I'm going to call my friend, Dr. Ryan Keegan, the cardiologist. He's going to come and start looking at your cat and, and doing whatever um, diagnostic procedures, whether it's a ECG, whether it's chest x-rays, blood pressure, ultrasound, those are things that are available to you. And any change in that, we want to jump on. So that's the main reason why we want to see your pet. And things like blood work enable us to look deeper into your pet. So... The thing that I missed on the blood work panel was urine. I don't know a vet who doesn't like pee. And I don't mean that in a gross um, way. I mean that in the absolute honest way. That what we say is urine completes the profile. So you could typically have a normal blood, blood panel. Then you get a urine. And you notice, wow, there's actually crystals in the urine. So when we analyze the urine, we might see some crystals. Common crystals are struvite or calcium oxalate, uh, sometimes urate crystals in, in, in certain liver issues and so forth. But those are things that we pick up that the blood work may be normal, your pet may be normal, they may be urinating more or whatever, but it's one thing we pick up. The other thing we look at is, is there anything that shouldn't be in that urine? So crystals are one of them. The other thing could be red blood cells, white blood cells, bacteria. So sometimes you could have a low-grade urinary tract infection, otherwise known as a UTI to most people, um, and they could be clinically normal, but we're picking things like this up. The, and the other thing is we want to look at the concentration of the urine. So it's not uncommon that if we're not drinking a lot or we're dehydrated or first morning urines tend to be the most concentrated, if a pet is not concentrating urine, it actually cues me to look at kidney function. So... 
it's it's very important. And then we can tie that urine back into the blood work. So, for example, if there's uric uh, crystals in a uh, Dalmatian, we typically look for liver disease. If there's crystals in general, it could be the crystals by themselves, but we look for signs of infection, um, and the white blood cell counts may be up. Uh, if we have a dilute urine, so we're not concentrating it well, I want to look at the kidney values. Is, is the BUN and creatinine that I discussed before, is that elevated? Is it normal? Um, and through that, is there protein in the urine? And you can leak protein in the urine uh, through kidney issues or protein-losing uh, disease processes. So those are things that the urine can really help us with. And so it's very important that when your veterinary goes, you know, I want to do some blood work in urine, you go, urine. And it's, it's very important to get that. And the other thing that um, is important at this point in time, and I'm going to say this point in time because a friend of mine who's a brilliant internal medicine specialist, um, was talking about the importance of getting sterile urine samples, yes or no. And I think um, right now it's yes, it's very important to get sterile samples because if you have a urinary tract infection, we don't want any outside contamination, outside contamination being hair or anything else out there. So there's a way we can get a sterile urine sample in pets, and, and we typically do that. We usually use ultrasound to guide us to, to get that sample, but that's very important, and your vet will talk about that. So urine completes the panel, and... Doing a thyroid panel is very important as well in cats that we suspect hyperthyroidism. Also, in dogs that we suspect hypothyroidism. I'm on my second hypothyroid dog. Um, in this particular case, the thyroid goes lower than normal. Dogs that have hypothyroidism can actually be acting normal. They can gain weight. They can have skin issues. A lot of times skin issues are a signal that there could be a thyroid issue going on and, and weight gain, etc., and what we do is we treat with uh, a thyroid supplement. We get them on that. And again, we recommend what we call drug monitoring profiles to make sure we're at the right dose and that nothing else is going on. So you get a pet that may have a problem. We do some diagnostics. Um, a lot of times blood work and urine are going to be number one up there. And for, say, example, we have a hyperthyroid cat. Well, this is where the blood work is very important. Not only does it help us diagnose hyperthyroidism, it helps us determine if our dosing is right. So we tend to put the pet on a medication. So let's say we go on methimazole twice a day dosing for the cat. For cats, what we typically want to do is in three to four weeks, we want to recheck that thyroid value to make sure our dosing is adequate. Equally important, it is not uncommon that a thyroid cat is a senior cat and senior cats can get kidney issues. And when the thyroid is going gangbusters, it actually can mask any sort of kidney issues that are going on. So when we start treating a hyperthyroid cat, we start calming down their metabolism. And a lot of times, the kidney issues start showing their face. So they're kind of hidden in the background. So a lot of times, we see the kidney issue solely by doing that repeat blood work. And then we have to manage and maintain from there. So I can't stress the importance of diagnostic blood work. I can't stress the importance of drug blood work monitoring and how it helps us. Another example of drug monitoring is your old dog with arthritis. We throw them on a dog-based um, aspirin or NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Uh, the most common one is Rimadyl, and I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. Well, Rimadyl can, like us, it's, it's metabolized by the liver. It can lead to stomach bleeding. It can lead to potential liver issues. It can exacerbate liver issues. Um, and in some cases, it can lead to some kidney issues. So it's very important that if your dog is going on Rimadyl long-term, that your veterinarian do a blood panel prior. 
Is there something wrong with the liver? Is there something wrong with the kidney? Is there a bleeding disorder? These are all things that can be exacerbated by going on NSAIDs like Rimadyl. And if you know what, that there's something going on, you can monitor. And that is very important. So drug therapeutic monitoring is very, very important. So what we'll do is we'll take a break, and I will talk about a particular uh, patient who happens to be one of my receptionist cat and how blood work led to a story. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. If you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. This is Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila. And we've been talking about today, we've been talking about blood work. We've been talking about one of my favorite things, urine. I like pee, but I like pee from a diagnostic standpoint. And we've been talking about how important blood work is to look into your pet, to monitor drug therapy, to monitor disease processes. And I wanted to talk about Cricket. Cricket is one of my receptions, Emily's cat. And Cricket came in... Uh, for vomiting, and uh, a young cat, young, fairly healthy cat that she felt was really healthy. Um, there was no indication that any major blood work had been done in, in Cricket's life, and, and this story to me signifies the importance when your veterinarian says, uh, you know, you have a one-year-old cat, it's important to actually get a blood panel. Um, well, it's important, let me backtrack. It's important to get a blood panel prior to neuter or spay, which usually occurs around six months of age, the reason being is we want to make sure that your pet can handle the anesthesia, that they're able to clear the anesthesia through their liver and kidney. If there's something wrong with those organs at a young age, it could lead to a de decision not to do surgery. I, I've had one case in my, in my life where a, a yellow lab at six months was diagnosed with severe kidney issue, and we actually didn't spay, uh, neuter him and he ended up passing at 18 months. Had we neutered him during that process, he may have, he may have not made it through anesthesia. It's, it's, it's all relative, and, and decisions had to be made at that point in time. But to me, it's the very importance of doing blood work prior to spay or neuter. So typically, your vet will do that. Um, if they don't do that, I would actually ask them why. Um, I think it's very common that they should be doing this, just a standard of care that I think is important. Um, the other thing that we recommend is annual blood work, biannual on seniors. Um, but annual blood work's important. So Emily's cat, I believe, was had some blood work done before neuter or spay, or she got the cat from a rescue group. I, I can't remember, and sometimes that is kind of lost in the in the gray zone, the mist, et cetera. But at two years of age, we're vomiting, so part of the process was to take some blood work, do some x-rays. Uh, radiographs will show us if there is a foreign obstruction within the intestines or any mechanical obstruction going on there. And so that's why x-rays were done. And it's fortuitous in this particular case where the blood work did indicate there was a potential early kidney issue going on. And also, there turned out to be stones in Cricket's kidneys. Um, and ironically, the, st the stone was also found in the bladder that um, after an internal medicine consult with my friend Peter Chapman, who's been on the show, um, he felt that the stone actually went down, passed down due to the vomiting, etc. So, um, so we have a young two-year-old cat that's showing kidney issues, that's showing um, potential stones 
in the in the kidneys themselves, stones in the bladder, and that led to further diagnostics. And further diagnostics indicated that that cricket is basically functioning on one kidney. One kidney's not doing well at all. It's very small. It's smaller than normal. It's not functioning well, and the and the other kidney's compensating. And a, and a pet and a human can do okay on, on one kidney. They can function well. But in this particular case, we've got a lot of stones going on, and we've got, we've got a stone in the bladder, and, and the risk of anesthesia is there. And so dealing with that stone in the bladder is, is more than problematic. Uh, cricket happens to be a male cat that can potentially block. And by block, we mean that the stone in the bladder could actually prevent cricket from urinating, which can be a life-threatening Condition. So, so through diagnostics, we determined a lot about a potentially young, healthy cat that happened to be vomiting. It's not uncommon that some pets vomit. Um, and it led to a further diagnostic workup and a, and a diagnosis that, that we stand. It's not a great situation to be in. Emily is, is concerned about her cat cricket, um, but it really shows the power. And it's funny because you talk to her and she is, she is a huge proponent of doing diagnostics like blood work just on a regular basis to find some things. Um, so I think that is, is very, very important. There are some specific blood work tests we can talk about as well. So for example, I did talk about Cushing's disease. So Cushing's disease is where for one of two reasons, either the adrenal glands in our and pet's bodies decide to pump out a lot more than normal steroid in the form of cortisol. Um, steroids do affect every cell in the body. So for whatever reasons, if the adrenal glands themselves have decided to pump out more steroid or there's a pituitary um, uh, gland in, in the, in the uh, brain area that actually causes the steroids, the production from the adrenal glands, you get an overproduction of steroid. And it usually leads to um, changes in liver, changes in liver function as noted physically on exam in size on x-ray and ultrasound and the blood work values, um, the alkaline phosphatase enzyme level goes very, very high. And so um, a lot of dogs drink a lot, urinate a lot. They get a pendulous or pot-bellied abdomen. Uh, you can get complications with diabetes in the future, et cetera. So Cushing's disease is not a great disease to have. And, and one of our one of our ways of determining if you have Cushing's disease is there's, there's blood tests we can do. And there's blood tests by um, injection of um, drugs that, that stimulate um, changes in cortisol level. There's measuring of cortisol levels when given steroids, et cetera. So there's certain blood tests that will help us determine what's going on. And then as a means of maintaining and monitoring, we'd have to do that um, following that. The other thing is, is in liver disease, we typically recommend what's called a bile acids uh, test where we're we're checking the blood values prior to and after feeding a fatty meal to see how the liver responds to that. Um, lots, of, lots of tests that can occur that way. We do a lot of coag tests. Uh, uh, is there a bleeding issue going on? Especially if you're going to get a biopsy done, you want to make sure that you're, you don't have a bleeding issue going on. Um, so those are tests that way. There's also tests that many people are familiar with. Uh, one is an allergy test. There's actually a blood allergy test that we do in pets. Uh, we're looking at um, responses to certain allergens. Uh, um, th there's a company called HESCA that does one for the Northeast panel. It does all the flora and fauna, um, does insects, et cetera. So th those are things that um, we can actually use blood work to test 
with and there's another one that uh, many of you may be familiar with it the one that we know most commonly is called the wisdom panel it's actually a dna test so it determines what sort of breed or breeds your pet is made up of and those are interesting tests to do um and probably in 10 percent of the cases there is a um small amount of degree where the physical appearance of the pet doesn't match what the DNA makeup of the pet is. So those are fun tests to do, but we do them just to see if there's any um, potential breeds in there that, that could have a problem or growth problem or known genetic diseases that can be affiliated with that with that pet. So blood tests are, are very, very important ways of marring things. And another common blood test for diabetic pets is a blood glucose. Um, and we literally use the same blood glucose monitors that we use in human. We take a little bit of blood out there and uh, are able to manage to look at that. I think the future is going to be a lot of our wearable technologies is going to be able to um, measure certain elements in the blood itself. So I think those are going to be very important and, and really, really interesting to see over the next five to 10 years. I think it's very important to see things like that. So um, I would watch out for things like that. But, but again, I think that blood work is incredibly important. I think in the case of cricket, um, it showed us things that were there that we didn't really see or know about. And so it was an eye-opening experience. Um, in the case of your senior pet, it will definitely tell you how things are going. Um, you know, even if you choose not to do anything for your pet, isn't it great to know where they stand and, and what your options are or actually where you stand? So for example, I do have a lot of senior pets that have liver issues that are so painful they are on um, NSAIDs like Rimadyl. And as long as we monitor, we can see how things are going. Um, there are alternatives to Rimadyl. Um, there's new alternatives that aren't anywhere near as liver intense for your pets. And I would strongly recommend you talk to your veterinarian about that. One of them is Galaprant. We use alternative drugs like Tramadol and Gabapentin uh, for arthritic pain. But, but to know where your pet stands is important. Um, I think that's a very important thing to do. So after the break, I'll, I'll touch on some other diagnostic tools, uh, namely radiographs or x-rays and ultrasound. You're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. If you own a cat or dog and have a question about your pet's overall health, call Dr. T now at 877-900-1077. Now back to the premier radio show in Mercer County for helpful advice about your pet in this week's edition of Your Pet Matters. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I've been talking about blood work. The importance of blood work, I've been talking about my joy of pee and why I like pee from a diagnostic standpoint, and I've been talking about why we do blood work, the importance of doing blood work. Um, I gave examples of how blood work really found a, a problem with one of my team members' cats at a young age, and, and I thought that was very important. So other diagnostic tools that we do in day practice um, are x-rays, otherwise known as radiographs, and ultrasound. So let's just touch a bit about that. So um, the reason why we do x-rays, let me think here. So typically, let's go from uh, head to foot. So the most common x-rays we do in the head are dental x-rays. And if anyone goes to the dentist, you always get your teeth x-rayed. The reason being is they're looking for underlying disease processes that may actually be missed on physical exam, it may actually be missed as you clean the teeth. A lot of times you pick up things, but there's a lot of underlying issues with the teeth. Remember, you only see less than half of that tooth. 30%, 40 50% of that tooth is actually visible. The rest is under the gum line, 
involved with the jaw. So it's very important to get an x-ray. Many times, often not, we'll clean up a tooth. It'll look beautiful. Take an x-ray, and we notice that the root is entirely corroded and diseased. So it's very important to consider x-rays for that. Um, it's, it's, I think it's very important. I don't think there's a professional dental cleaning that should not involve x-rays. And I think every dentist of every species would agree with that statement. Um, other times we look at x-rays in the head area are we're looking for potential nasal tumors. Um, the soft tissue area will change. We're looking at any fractures that may have occurred during trauma, um, any uh, issues with the ears. Uh, we look through there, um, any growth deformations that the, maybe the bones of the skull haven't formed properly. So x-rays enable us to see things like that. Uh, then we go to extremities. The most common uh, reason why we look x-rays for extremities are fractures. Um, more recently in dogs, you're going to see a lot of cruciate ligament rupture. We're looking at x-rays to see if there's any soft tissue um, changes to the joint itself. Um, there's a disease process in young large breed dogs where they get painful long bones and it's called panosteitis and you can see that on x-rays sometimes. Um, and many times we're actually looking for bone cancer. There are specific sites where bone tumors can form. They have a specific uh, appearance on x-ray or what we call capsular tumors where in the joint itself, the, the soft tissue capsule that wraps around it, there are specific things that, that show us um, we call them ice cream scoops for definition or um, sclerotic changes, et cetera. We look for those in, in tumors. And we also use x-rays to look for arthritis, um, any joint malformations. Uh, hip dysplasia is very common. Hip arthritis is incredibly common. Elbow dysplasia is common. Uh, we look for changes that way. Um, and the best way to look at that is x-rays. Um, referral centers will, will go one step further. They'll do, they'll do CT scanning, uh, possibly MRI to look at things. I'm sure many of you had some MRIs done on your joints, et cetera. But x-rays is a great tool, or radiographs are a great tool to, to view that. Um, going to the chest area, we use radiographs to see if there's fluid on the lungs. Usually that's in uh, late-stage heart disease. We look to see if there's um, pneumonia. We can tell by the lung lobes, um, consolidation within the lung lobes, what's going on. We can see fungal um, infections within the, um, or bacterial infections um, have a visible trail within the lung pattern. Uh, we can see pneumothorax where the lung itself uh, collapses. Um, there are cases where the abdomen isn't closed properly, the diaphragm and part of the intestine can come up into the lung field there. Um, and we, we, look at the, we look at the heart. And... On x-rays for the heart, we're looking for gross changes within the four chambers of the heart. We're looking for gross changes in the size of the heart. The heart will change how it rests on the front of the chest. It'll change how it pushes up our trachea. Um, we can actually see bulges in certain quadrants, whether they're the atrium or the ventricles of the heart. We can see that. We can also even see changes in the vessels that run to and from uh, the lungs from the heart that can be changed in cardiac disease. So there's lots of things that we can see. And a lot of times we take um, chest x-rays. There's a lot of tumors in pets that when they decide to metastasize or spread throughout the body, they will spread to the lung field. And it's not uncommon that we look for, we call it a MET check or meta met metastatic spread check. And we, we take chest x-rays to do that. Um, in the abdomen, we're probably mostly looking for, um, as I stated earlier in the show, foreign body obstructions in the intestine. Uh, there's a specific gas pattern you would see 
you would actually see the foreign object. Um, things that come to mind are rubber duckies, balls, um, metal objects. Um, there was a story that my friend Justine Lee, Vet Girl, was posting that some... Uh, let's say it. He's really the biggest jerk in the world was actually poisoning dogs with um, razor blade laced or, or hook laced hot dogs. So you can actually see the metal. Metal shines on x-ray and you can really see things that way. Um, a story that I was involved with was there was a standard poodle who really wanted to eat those brownies. So not only dealing with chocolate toxicity, the dog ate the Pyrex container. So when we took an x-ray of his stomach, we saw the glass edges on x-ray. We had to go in surgically and remove that. So x-ray is a really good tool to look into um, the guts themselves. They also are a great tool to look at the organs. Is the liver of normal anatomy? Is there a tumor on the liver? Is the spleen of normal anatomy? Is the spleen bleeding into the abdomen and you get that change going on? Um, if there's a giant mass, you get this mass effect going on. What do the kidneys look like? Are they normal size? Is there stones in the kidneys or mineralization going on? What does the bladder look like? Is there stone in the bladder? Um, there's also a way of looking at the lymph nodes that reside in the lumbar area of a pet. Um, so that, that's a good way to look at the soft tissue um, within the abdomen itself. And then finally, to look at the actual bone structure um, in the abdomen and thorax, we actually look at the vertebrae, neck, abdomen, and thorax we can look at. And we're looking at changes in, in, if we have disc disease in a pet, we're looking at changes in the spacing of the disc. You can actually see sometimes see the disc material mineralized in a couple cases where the mineralization pushes up and it puts pressure on the spinal cord and your pet becomes semi-paralyzed or paralyzed. And so x-rays are a great tool, initial tool to look at that. I'm saying initial tool because in this case, you may want to go to a referral and they'll do an MRI um, and lead to surgical intervention. So x-rays are a wonderful tool. Um, there's a lot of talk about the number of x-rays taken on pets and so forth. Um, really, there is no documented case of any radiation causing cancer in pets. Um, the general theory is that they really don't live that long to get the long-term effects of, of radiation therapy. In, in fact, the, the risk to the individuals taking the x-rays is greater than the actual pet themselves. So, um, and with the digital x-ray formats now, you can use much lower doses, much shorter time frames, and you get better images because of the resolution there. So digital x-ray is wonderful, and digital x-ray resolution is, is a game changer. I've been fortunate enough to be in the era where we moved from film to digital, and it's significantly different. It's like HDTV versus the standard black and white television of, of my childhood. I guess I'm aging myself here. I'll, I'll say my grandfather's childhood, whatever. But that, that's what we're dealing with. So I think x-rays are important. And for these last couple minutes, I'd just like to touch on ultrasound. Ultrasound, I think, is a great non-invasive tool. It enables us to look into the cavities of the heart, the um, four chambers of the heart, and look at blood flow and how the valves work and the thickness of the chambers themselves. Um, we can look into the every organ in the abdomen and look for changes in the consistency of those, look for tumors, etc. We use it on a routine basis to look at a bladder. Um, and we have seen, well, today, for example, even though this cat has had the procedures for stones in the bladder, this cat, um, Black, Blackie, had a 
uh, special surgery to actually lead to him not being blocked by urethral or bladder stones, but he still has a bunch of sludge in the, in the bladder itself. And you can visualize this on ultrasound and we're able to get a sterile sample. We're able to um, look at things that you can't feel or even see on x-ray. Um, x-ray, like I said, shows gross changes of the, I think the best example is the heart. X-ray shows gross changes on the on the heart, but the ultrasound actually goes in there and we actually get to see inside and see how everything flows. And there's things called color Doppler, which shows how fluids flow throughout the, the vessels and the chambers of the heart. And you can see how everything's going on. And, and the cardiologist, my friend Ryan Key, can really find some um, great um, images and uh, uh, greatly diagnose cardiac disease. So, so I just wanted to touch on those two modalities. So the bottom line is get blood work. <laughs> If your pet is sick, do x-rays, do, do ultrasound, do the diagnostics. Um, they're really worth it. And in all honesty, when you look at the pricing of what veterinary medicine is, you know, you as humans really don't see the price because you have the copay. But if you ever look at the price of blood work, for example, when I get a mini screen at my doctor, it's 350 bucks. A mini screen at a vet is usually around 100 bucks. More than worth it because your vet's going to tell you the results the next day. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it does take a long time to get human blood work results back. But th that's it in a nutshell, and, and uh, I wanted to touch base on that. So we'll stop there about the importance of blood work, and we'll move on. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you, unconditionally. Have a great day. Thank you for seeing our doctor this morning. You have been listening to Your Pet Matters, the number one pet health care show in Mercer County. Your follow-up appointment is next Saturday at 10 a.m. Tune in to hear Dr. Michael Tequiwa of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg, along with his expert guests as they share their knowledge and experiences to help your pet live a long, happy, and healthy life. Want to catch up on Dr. T's advice? Click on the Your Pet Matters page at 1077thebronc.com. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by the pet wellness professionals of the Animal Hospital at Kingston and Blauenberg. Small Hospital, Big Medicine. For more information, it's BarkMeOutVets.com or like the Animal Hospital of Kingston and Blauenberg on Facebook. Tune in next week at 10 for another edition of Your Pet Matters exclusively on 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.